Previously on Space Train, Doug and the cadets received a distress signal from the planet Fury. The planet's pop-up key shelters stopped working, and it was up to the cadets to fix it before a massive storm arrived. Leo was able to write a new key shelter program, and the Academy of Wanderers bought him time by using the connector to build barricades that slowed the charging storm. In the end, they fixed the shelter system and saved the Furians. But a note was left for the cadets, revealing that the Rocket Man was the one who had damaged the system. It was a clever distraction that gave the Rocket Man a head start as he headed towards Earth. And now for Season 2, Episode 13, The Dark Side of the Moon. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents... Space Train. It's time to be the hero. The space train rocketed through space on its way to the Milky Way galaxy, burning fuel in the turbo engines. Hiding in the computer lab car and trying to remain upright in his seat amidst all the quick turns was Doug. He checked over his shoulders for the 10th time before continuing a video call with the doctor. You're telling me you had no idea the rocket man was planning that distraction? He said furiously. We lost precious time. I can't know everything, Douglas, the doctor sneered. I can't see the future like that girlfriend of yours. His face looked huge from standing so close to his prison cell's camera. Doug glared at him. She's not my girlfriend. If you say so. I had heard whispers of a possible attack on Earth but I didn't want to sound the alarm before I knew more. You learned more during your visit to his secret base than I was able to gather. Have you looked over the plans I sent you? I have. What do they mean? It was a mess of information, if I may say so. Nothing is certain, but it does seem clear he plans on taking your last group of prospective students. Is he going to blow stuff up? Did you see the diagram of the missile? Doug was struggling to control his volume. It is possible. He has proven that he isn't afraid to blow stuff up to get to you. Remember, the more bombastic a scene he creates, the better. He wants to be remembered. He'll be remembered as a cocky coward, Doug mumbled. To some, yes. 
But the universe is quite large, Douglas. There are enough people out there who are warped enough to see him as the hero. What do we do? We're heading to Earth now, but he's already ahead of us. First, you must work with Etho to make sure he and the other wanderers at the Academy are ready to use the connector. We will need it. I'll make sure of it. I have come across new intel that may prove useful, but you must do exactly as I say. Understood. About that missile. While the doctor coached Doug through his plan, Doug could hear Goro's robotic joints approaching. Getting the last few details he needed, he quickly ended the call just as Goro walked into the room. For a moment, Goro looked between Doug and the computer screen that had just shut off. Forgive me if I startled you, Captain. Did I interrupt a call with your family? Doug's heart was pounding. He could feel his neck getting hot. No, I I mean, yeah, I was talking to my family, but you didn't interrupt. We were just finishing up. Goro looked at him for a long moment. I am sorry you and the others haven't had more opportunities to visit your parents back at the academy lately. I do hope things quiet down once we have captured the rocket man. Me too, Doug agreed. He didn't like the skeptical look Goro was giving him. There was a long, uncomfortable silence before Goro finally continued. We are all in the planetarium, awaiting your orders. Doug nodded. On my way. Doug followed Goro to the planetarium, where Lydia, Dallas, and Leo were waiting for him. Dallas was telling the others a story. Finally, I sit up at the end of the movie, and who's on my seat? Berta, all squished onto my chair, blinking up at me. I was like, dids? So that's why my butt's been vibrating for the last couple of hours. Leo and Lydia laughed. Doug took a seat next to Lydia. Where have you been? Lydia whispered. You missed the video call with Blaberta and the Gorfies. Doug briefly met eyes with Goro. I was just calling my family. Goro took his position behind the podium and clicked a button on his arm, making the domed screen above display Earth, along with a list of the prospective students. Red dots covered the globe. Here are the locations of the final group of prospective students. There are nearly 30 of them, spread out across the planet. They were saved for last for a reason. Picking them all up with the consent of their families is going to be one of our greatest challenges yet. And now with the rocket man ahead of us, it will be infinitely more difficult. Have our surveillance drones picked up any movement in the area? Doug asked. I'm afraid the drones have been disabled, Captain. It appears the rocket man was anticipating the surveillance, so he used the same code Leo used to get into his secret lair to disable our own drones. We're going in blind. Leo looked furious. It's not your fault, Lydia assured him. Leo didn't look satisfied. He gestured typing code and then pointed to himself. Stop beating yourself up, bro, Dallas said. The drones were just a cheap lookout anyway. Having them down doesn't change the fact that we're going in hot. Are we ready for our meteor descent? Doug asked. Leo nodded. 
The shields are lowered to 35% to increase burn-up, Captain, Goro confirmed. Leo will steer us in at an angle that will make us appear to be a meteor. He displayed a short animation of the train descending like a meteor on the screen. Perfect, Doug said. Where's the highest concentration of prospective students? Goro zoomed in on a group of kids. The Watabi family. They are a group of five very gifted siblings who live with their parents in Zimbabwe, Africa. Their creative reasoning skills are off the charts. Let's start there, Doug said. Hopefully we can get to them before the rocket man does. Can we boost the train shields before we get to Earth? I don't want to reach the galaxy with our shields down only to get pounded by fist spots that are waiting for us. Leo shook his head. Leo is correct. We cannot power up the shields now. It takes time to increase and decrease the shield's energy field. Lydia sighed. Oh, we better go in fast. I agree, Doug said. Let's hit the boost as soon as we're in the Milky Way and jet to our target as fast as possible. Can you get Etho on the line for us? Goro raised a metal eyebrow. Certainly. He typed the command into his arm and a minute later, Etho appeared on the planetarium screen. You called? Etho said into the camera. Doug sat up. Etho, how is the connector holding up after that last mission? It seemed as though it was about to overheat, but it was the students who burnt out before it could shut down. How soon will it be ready to use again? I've been running diagnostics and the machine is primed and ready. After reading some books in the library, I was able to make a few modifications that will prolong its use and relieve some of the mental strain of its users. Awesome. Get everyone in their seats and connected as soon as possible. We're going to need your help. As you wish. If I may, Captain. Yes? I have been spending much time reading over the texts in the Academy's library, and I came across a book titled Good Night Moon. Is it customary to say good night to inanimate objects before going to sleep on Earth? Doug and the cadets chuckled. No, Doug answered. Interesting. The book also says good night to the moon. Does Earth's moon speak? Definitely not. Lydia said with a smile. Hmm, fascinating. It is figurative in nature, then. There was also a book about a boy who goes to a chocolate factory. Totally fake, Doug interrupted. Hmm, quite unfortunate. Etho? Yes? Please get the students hooked up to the connector. Of course. My apologies, Captain. After the briefing in the planetarium... Doug headed to the Cosmic Cafe for a snack. He stood at the ice cream sundae machine, holding down the lever, making a long snake of vanilla ice cream swirl into his bowl. He let the ice cream stack until the swirl was towering high above his bowl. The ice cream tower was so large that when a chef bot approached him, it almost short-circuited at the sight of it. Can I help you with your... Whoa! <clears throat> Toppings? I'm good, Doug said, scooping on mounds of crushed Oreos. The chef bot watched in amazement as the ice cream tower soon became a huge blob of chocolate sauce, cookies, and an avalanche of sprinkles. Perhaps I should call a med bot to be on standby, Captain? Are you kidding? 
This is nothing. Doug almost dropped the unwieldy monstrosity of a treat on his way to the table. The chef bot continued to stare in shock as the boy dug into it. The other chef bots behind the counter were watching now too, chattering amongst themselves. You missed something, Lydia said, walking over and sitting next to him. Maybe you'd like to put the whole ice cream machine on top while you're at it? Maybe I will, Doug said with a mouthful, a colorful goatee of sprinkles decorating his face. The chef bot rolled back over with a pitcher in hand. Captain, would you like some water to wash that down? No, I'm good. Doug noticed that the chef bot was now wearing a t-shirt with a picture of him and the words Mind Builder above it. Um, where'd you get that? This? I ordered it from the Mind Builder fan club website. I have it in several colors. I am especially fond of the tie-dye version. Lydia giggled. Doug shook his head. Oh, this is embarrassing. What? What is he doing now? Hum. The robot had his eyes closed and was holding out his free hand and shaking it. Lydia smiled. He's mind-building. Is that what I look like when I do it? Pretty much. Hum. The robot hummed and shook his hand some more. Doug played along. Whoa! You built me an ice cream sundae. Thanks. The chef bot opened his eyes, slightly disoriented, and smiled brightly. You are quite welcome. If there is anything else I can do, just ask. Will do. Lydia shook her head and giggled. Wow, even the chef bots are your fans. Doug got another spoonful of ice cream. I didn't know they bought stuff off the internet. I wonder what other kinds of stuff they buy. Lydia looked over Doug's dessert disgusted. Doug, you're eating like this is the last bowl of ice cream you'll ever have. What's going on? Doug shrugged and took another bite. I'm just hungry. Lydia's smile disappeared. She glanced out the panoramic cafe windows at the glittering space dust passing by outside and then back at him. What did he tell you? Doug stopped briefly but wouldn't look up at her. Nothing. Doug, when are you going to realize this is a really bad idea? Taking advice from the doctor? This is crazy. Doug glanced around nervously. Shh! Don't worry about it, Lydia. I've got it under control. Control? Lydia sat back and folded her arms. She nodded to the mess of an ice cream bowl. Is that what this is? Now is not a time to go rogue on us. We are a team. If you try to get all secretive, we can't help you. My, my vision... Doug finally looked up. It's growing stronger. Uh-huh. The red planets, the giant crystals, the countless screens, the pricks of light, the space battle... The big fiery engine, the kids huddled in a dark room. It's not hazy anymore. It's clear. The last time my vision was that detailed, something big happened. Remember? We fought for the Academy. I said I have it under control. Lydia shook her head. Doug could see she was clenching her jaw. Promise me you won't do too much yourself. There was a long silence that was eventually interrupted, 
by the chef bot approaching the table with a massive bowl of candy. He was now wearing a wig that looked weirdly like Doug's hair. From the kitchen crew, the chef bot said, setting the huge bowl on the table. In case you needed more sugar. Doug raised an eyebrow at the chef bots, who were hiding behind the counter and giggling. He stood up to leave. Lydia grabbed his hand. Promise me, Doug. Doug looked into her pleading eyes for a moment, and then, saying nothing, walked out of the cafe. A couple of hours later, Goro called all the cadets to the cockpit. They were about to enter the Milky Way galaxy. Are the shields ready? Doug said, walking into the room. Leo sat typing frantically at the control panel next to Goro. He gave a thumbs up without looking up from what he was doing. How close are we? Dallas asked, looking out the cockpit window. We will reach the galaxy's edge in the next few moments, Goro said. As they increased speed, comets and space dust became a blur outside their window, and the sun grew even larger. Goro looked at Leo's screens. Entering the Milky Way in three, two, one. Doug braced himself. He was sure the rocket man would be waiting for them, ready to pounce. But, to everyone's surprise, nothing happened. Dallas squinted out at the peaceful, starry landscape. Why aren't there fistbots trying to punch our lights out? He's not going to attack, Lydia whispered. Not yet, at least, Doug added. They watched out the window as the train zipped past icy blue Neptune. It curved around the planet Uranus and cruised under Saturn's rings. The train snaked over the top of Jupiter's surface of giant swirling clouds, passed by the rocky red ball of Mars until finally a little blueberry of a planet came into view. Approaching Earth, Goro announced, setting our destination coordinates. He punched commands into the control panel. Slow our descent to wait for incoming meteors. Leo brought the train to a slow cruise. Earth filled the cockpit window in all its blue-green brilliance. Doug lost himself in the beautiful swirls of white clouds, the green and yellow landmasses sitting in the blue oceans like puzzle pieces, the dark portions of the planet that were covered in tiny pricks of light. Some of the tiny pricks of light were moving. I've seen this, Lydia said, in my vision. Then we're on the right track, Goro said. Those are satellites orbiting the planet. We will try to avoid hitting them as we enter Earth's atmosphere. He glanced at another computer screen. Incoming media, set the train's pitch to match the media's trajectory. Leo typed like a maniac and pulled a few levers. Doug could feel the train pitching downward. I suggest everyone take their seats, Goro said. Unless you'd like to find yourself launched back to the caboose. The cadets jumped into their seats and buckled in. The cockpit went quiet. Where are the meteors? Doug whispered. Leo pointed over his shoulder. Behind us? Okay, Leo, Goro said. Begin descent now. Leo hesitated. Leo, hit the boost. We will miss our window. Leo focused intensely on the screen, showing incoming dots behind the train. Leo, this is it! Now! 
Leo shook his head, his tongue sticking out of his mouth as he concentrated. Leo? He's got this, Goreman! Dallas shouted. Take a chill pill! Leo held up a finger, telling them to wait. After a few more seconds, he threw the boost lever and the train jolted forward. Everyone's heads slammed back into their seats. A red-hot glow burned the edges of the cockpit window. Earth was getting bigger and bigger. Doug could now see a couple of large meteors on either side of the train, inching just ahead of them, scorching as they entered the atmosphere. The train rattled. Is it going to hold? Doug shouted over the noise. Goro held onto his chair for dear life. I certainly hope so. We've never entered a plant with the shield so low. The train rattled harder. The hot glow took up most of the window. Sweat dripped from the cadets' faces. It was getting hotter. Goro looked at the computer screen. Almost there. Shoo! The space train blasted through Earth's atmosphere and streaked across the sky next to the fiery meteors, leaving a smoky trail. Witnesses down below gazed upward and marveled at the meteors that were easily seen in the daylight. They clapped at the spectacle. Back in the cockpit, the surface was starting to get dangerously close. Alarms were sounding on the control panel. Just as the buildings were gaining detail, Leo pulled up and slowed the train. Gradually, it came to a hover next to a school, sitting in the middle of a dirt field. Goro started a timer. You have 15 minutes to get the kids before we need to move on to our next target. Take the belt. Doug and the cadets jumped onto the floor belt and laid down while Goro hit the button. Vroom! They zipped along the floor, blurring through train cars until the belt stopped them at the exit bay. Dallas grabbed his suit box as they stepped out the door. Doug could hear the space train sizzling when they were outside. Some of the metal panels were still glowing hot. He hoped they wouldn't catch the nearby baobab tree on fire. Its long, fat trunk and skinny branches stood dangerously close to the smoldering train. This way, Doug said, heading for the main building of the school. Doug did a double take when he saw Dallas in a spacesuit. Why are you wearing that? Dude, this is Earth. Dallas was clearly uncomfortable. Sweat beaded his face. It was a reflex, bro. I got caught up in the moment. I think... I think the temperature control is busted. And the helmet's... Stuck. God, it's hotter than a spicy burrito in here. Look at these sweaty pits. He held up his arms to show the wet marks on the spacesuit. Oh, gross, Lydia gagged. Doug pointed back at the train. Are you going to be okay or do you need to go change? Dallas's face was glistening. No, I'm good. Let's just be quick. Young African children who had been kicking a ball in the playground ran over and marveled at the space train. They were especially excited to see a spaceman in a spacesuit. An adult man and woman were among them. Who are you? said the woman, looking over the cadets and raising an eyebrow at Dallas. Her colorful African dress was dirty from the dust kicked up during the train's landing. Doug stepped forward. We're the Wanderers. We're here to speak with the Watabi siblings. We are their parents, the man said. They are not here. Doug and the cadets looked at each other shocked. Where are they? Doug asked. 
We do not know, said the man, with anguish in his voice. They are taken. Doug's heart sank. He had a feeling this might happen. Who took them? He asked hesitantly. A minute later, they were in the Watabi parents' office. Mrs. Watabi opened a desk drawer and pulled out a stack of drawings. She spread them across the desk. These were drawn by the children, she said. We do not know what it was or who it was, but when it left, our children were gone. Doug and the cadets looked over the drawings. All of them were simple illustrations of an unmistakable craft hovering over the school. A fist ship. Some of the colorful drawings even included what looked like fist bots flying around the playground. Doug slowly looked up at the Watabis. When did this happen? Earlier this morning, Mr. Watabi said. Do you know where they are? Please help us. Lydia shook her head at the pictures. We'll find them and get them back. We promise. Doug shot her a surprised look, which Lydia avoided. Next to them, Dallas was huffing and puffing. His head bubble was fogging up. Sweat dripped off his nose. Dudes, I hate to be a party pooper, but it's getting super ripe in here. Like, I really stink. Doug slowly looked from him to the Watabes. We'll be in touch. The cadets hopped back onto the space train and ran to the cockpit. Goro, they're gone, Lydia said, skidding to a stop. Goro looked at them, horrified. Gone? You don't mean... Doug nodded. The rocket man's already been here. We need to find out if he took the other prospective students, too. Right away. Goro sat down and began scanning through the list. He had Lydia make phone calls to the prospective students' homes, asking if the kids were around. In each case, the parents would tell them their kids had been taken and begged for any information the cadets could provide. To avoid causing more panic, Lydia played dumb and ended the calls quickly. Leo held up his hands as if to say, Now what? My source said this might happen, Doug said quietly. Everyone looked at him stunned. Well, not exactly like this, but he said if the students are taken, then the rocket man will likely be around waiting for us. Goro frowned. This would have been good information to share before the mission started, Captain. I know, sorry, I just didn't know how reliable it was. Lydia looked really annoyed. So, where is he hiding? I'm told he could be waiting for us on the dark side of the moon. I'm told that you can die of heat exhaustion if you keep sweating like this, Dallas said, his hands on his knees and his head bubble completely fogged up. Can someone please break this thing open before I turn into a puddle? Goro sprang into action. Oh, of course. My apologies, Dallas. He used his robot hand as a crowbar to pry the helmet off, which allowed the suit to retract back into the box. Dallas collapsed, sprawled out, and soaked in sweat. Oh, can someone zip me over to the pool car on the floor belt? Not yet, Doug told him. We need to go after the rocket man while he's close. He's holding those kids captive. Dallas groaned. Oh. Setting a course for the moon, Goro said, typing in the coordinates. He and Leo checked the scanners to make sure there were no approaching airplanes before blasting off into space. 
They reached the moon quickly. Its gray craters filled the cockpit window. Sure enough, just beyond the shadows, something was waiting for them. There he is! Lydia pointed to the giant fist hiding behind the moon. A small glimmer of sunlight reflected off its huge metal knuckles. Just as the train came within range, a barrage of fist spots shot out of the fist ship and rammed into the train. Boom, 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 boom! Alarms howled in the cockpit. The shields still aren't back up to full power, Goro said. We're taking damage! Leo tapped the screen, highlighting the damage to the rear engines. I'll go see how bad it is, Doug said. Maybe I can rebuild what's broken. Don't let that ship get away! Grabbing a suit box, Doug hopped on the floor belt and slammed the button for the engine car. Vroom! He zipped out of the cockpit and down the train. Lydia watched him go. Doug slowed to a stop in the engine room. It was a good thing he'd put on the spacesuit. There was a hole blasted into the side of the engine car. Pieces of engine and fist spots floated slowly through the room. Holding out his hands, Doug closed his eyes and immediately went to work mind-building. Back in the cockpit, Goro was bringing the train closer to the Rocketman's fist ship. Have the laser cannons ready for another wave of bots, he ordered. Leo charged the laser cannons that popped out from underneath the cockpit. Dallas pointed to the dozens of little dots approaching on the radar screen. Here they come! Back in the engine car, Doug jumped as the door slid open behind him, and Lydia came riding in on the floor belt in a spacesuit. What are you doing? Doug said, trying to hold his focus on his creation. What am I doing? What are you doing? The last of the pieces floated through the air and clicked into place. Doug looked back at his creation. It was a miniature fist ship. Its door hissed open, revealing a little chair inside. Go back to the cockpit, Doug ordered. No, I'm not letting you do this alone. Lydia, I don't have time. Doug, I'm supposed to come with you. I saw it. Doug clenched his teeth. He looked between Lydia and the little fish ship. In the cockpit, Leo aimed the laser cannons at the charging fist bots. Something shot out of the space train and flew towards them. Dallas pointed at it. What was that? Goro looked at it in shock. Captain? Outside, Doug and Lydia flew towards the bots in their mini fist ship. The cockpit was crammed. Doug hadn't planned on needing the extra space. Does this thing have lasers? Lydia asked, watching nervously as the fist bots flew closer. Didn't have time, Doug said. Just hold on. He hit the boost and the ship rocketed towards the bots. To their surprise, as they came within range, all of the fist bots slowed their charge and stopped. Lydia scrunched her face. What are they doing? I don't know, but I'm not going to stick around to find out. He flew the mini fist ship right through the bots and headed for the fist mothership. The rocket man's fist ship doors were opening for them. The fist bots were turning around and following them back. In the space train cockpit, Goro, Dallas, and Leo watched, speechless, as the little fish ship and bots entered the rocket man's craft and the doors shut behind them.
Hey, Rocketeers, hope you enjoyed that episode. I want to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, for doing a super quick edit on this. Mom, you're amazing. Our moms are amazing, right? Dads are pretty cool, too. Not going to lie. Dads are pretty cool. Rocketeers, I want to see some fan art from Space Train, so maybe your parents can help you share a picture with me, either through Gmail at purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com, or parents, you can tag the Purple Rocket Facebook or Instagram pages, and we can share it with all the listeners. I want to see some of your drawings of these scenes. Um, I love seeing your interpretations of the characters and the different events that have gone on in the Purple Rocket. It's so fun. And you Rocketeers are super talented, and the parents are super talented. Some of you have YouTube channels that are really cool. I got to read a really cool book from one of our listeners, Bronwyn, called The Goodnight Song, which you can check out at thegoodnightsong.com. All you Rocketeers are so talented and creative. Just reading your reviews. You guys have awesome story ideas. You need to go out there and write these down. Write a book. Uh, make a podcast with your parents up, whatever. You need to be uh, sharing these cool ideas, Rocketeers. You're so creative, so talented. It's it's a blast hearing your ideas. In fact, I want to read one of those ideas in one of the Apple reviews. This five-star review is from Isabella says, Gray, can you do a season that's about the twins and the cadets doing missions together? The title of this review is Space Train and the Globe. So she's referring to this, the Grandpa's Globe twins. Maybe something like Sawyer and Susie find a magical artifact that makes it possible to globe jump into space. Then, when the twins are on a mission in space... The space train also goes to that planet. They meet, finish the mission together. Then the cadets ask the twins to go to the academy. They say yes. Then they start going on missions together. Isabella, that's a super cool idea. I'm not going to lie. I've kind of thought about it. I was like, oh, man, what if they found like one of those moon globes or something? Um... I don't know what's going to happen, but I just wanted to share that because it's a cool idea. Super fun. I love looking through these um, ideas and and these reviews. Isabella, super cool. Isabella also had a question about on Patreon. On Patreon, when you're trying to access the ad-free episodes, how does that work? When you become a patron, your parents should receive an email with a link to the RSS feed of the ad-free episodes. So you can listen to all the ad-free episodes right there on Patreon or through the Patreon app. And you have a little uh, link to click open the PDF read-along versions. It's really good to help you improve your literacy. Um, but there's also an RSS feed that you can subscribe to. So I put it on my phone, for example, and anytime I release a Patreon episode that's ad-free or a Patreon special story because sometimes like, you know, every month or so I, I release like a, a an exclusive Patreon bedtime story that I tell to my kids. When I release that, it'll actually show up in Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use, Spotify, whatever. So your parents should have gotten an email on that, but you can he- listen to those episodes ad-free on Patreon. So that's also a plug, shameless plug for Patreon. Thank you, patrons who are helping support the show. If you want to help support, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Um, it's, it's amazing, you guys. Thank you so much for your support. I've also been reading a bunch of these reviews that say you've been telling your friends, Rocketeers, thank you so much. That's the best compliment you can give me is seriously spreading the word, telling your friends, your cousins, your family, um, about these stories. That's, that's the best listening to an episode with them to introduce it to them. So cool. I thought, you know, maybe at some point I'll do a competition where, you know, if, if you share the podcast with a friend and mention their first name in a review or something like that, maybe I can enter people in to some 
some kind of uh, raffle or drawing to send him some uh, some free gear like T-shirts or something. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm doing that right now, but if you like something like that, definitely shoot me an email or let me know, you guys. I'd love to get your feedback, but um, I want to encourage you to share it with your friends because um, your testimonials are the best. Hearing, hearing your personal experience, it's it's amazing. Rocketeers, you're amazing. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to stay tuned for the last few episodes or so of Space Train. Till next time, this is your host, Greg Webb.